Accountants Are Sexy is back for another season and this season we'll see our 100th episode. I want to take a moment to thank everyone that's helped so far. Every like, listen, subscribe, watch, all of it means the world to me. This season is sponsored by Charterpath. Charterpath is a charity designed to help the financial skills gap within non-profits. I've recently joined their advisory board to help them on their mission to increase volunteering within the financial sector from only 10% to a very healthy 50%. If you want any more information on how you can be a part of this mission, then drop me a message or leave a comment or visit their website, charterpath.org. Now, are we ready to meet the guests? What would you say if I told you that accountants are the sexiest profession on the planet? Would you believe me or would you laugh at me? So many people would laugh and I'm here with this podcast to prove them wrong. Accountants these days, they are tech savvy. They are app smart. They understand how to improve how you operate via automation, via interpretation of data like never before. We have an amazing amount of information at our fingertips that can help us decide as business owners what to do on an hour by hour basis, let alone week by week, month by month, or worse, retrospectively. Accountants these days have so much more to offer, and I'm here to prove that to you. So I'm Kelly Dawn, your host, and this is my podcast, Accountants Are Sexy, Change My Mind. Hello, Chris, and welcome to Accountants of Sexy Change My Mind. Um, I've been introduced to you by um, uh, a friend of ours, Johnny, Johnny, Jenny Holyoke. <laughs> That's the name she uses at the weekend, by the way. It is. I've seen the, I've seen the costume. It's quite nice. <laughs> but she's spoken so highly of you um, and you've helped her LinkedIn journey so much. I really wanted to come on and I wanted you to come onto the show and tell everyone a bit more about what it is you do. So welcome. Would you like to start with an introduction to who you are and what you do? Yep. Um, uh, well, as, as the name suggests, it's Chris Williams. Um, and uh, we help not just accountants, but for the sake of this conversation, we help accountants um, with their LinkedIn marketing. Um, and, and that is all I need to say about it, really, um, purely because if I carry on chatting on about it, people forget the first bit. <laughs> Reasonable. But I hope there's more to come. <laughs> there, there is yeah that's not the end of the interview that's it um yeah i help people with linkedin bye yeah and that's it goodbye <laughs> okay so um obviously I, i've i've been connected with you for quite a while we've hardly ever spoke i think i've commented on a few things but i've seen your journey um and you really kind of honed this audience with the with the linkedin thing can you tell me where it started and what's kind of driven you into this side of the industry Absolutely. It, it started with um, a failing software business, um, if I'm being brutally honest, which I am all Oh, the time. there's many of those. 
There is. Um, now, our our software business was essentially was a, a, a project management piece. I mean, f- failing is, is probably too cruel, but it, it wasn't doing what we wanted it to do. Um, yeah. And so, and, and in discovering the marketing aspect of what we needed to do to sell a SaaS product, um, we discovered we were actually quite good at the marketing. Mm. Um, and so on the, on the back of that in 2017 towards 2018, um, we sort of set up a separate arm of the business, which was the marketing. Um, and we helped people with their digital marketing and selling SaaS products, uh, so software as a service. Um, and then in 2019, uh, right at the in fact, right at the end of 2018, just before 2019, um, I read a couple of books um, which gave me the belief, rightly or wrongly, that we needed to niche down a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and we looked at the, the the areas that we were getting really good results with, and it was LinkedIn. Um, not only that, we was doing it for ourselves as well. So it made perfect sense to me um, to go, right, we're going to focus our digital marketing agency as being a LinkedIn agency. And we've not really looked back from then. That's interesting. So you um you said that you needed to niche and you read a couple of books like we've all read a couple of books that said you need to niche but yeah. do people really need to niche what's the value no. of it no they, they, they don't and and this this is the, the thing about self-help books and 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 the books in question um were what's his surname now but it was key person of influence um and oversubscribed Daniel Priestley, that's the one. Um, I want to say Daniel Disney, but that's the the online stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but with with um, reading those two books, it gave me the impetus to decide that niching was good for what we wanted to achieve. Yeah. And I think that's really important. I'm not. I'm not going to. If anyone's listening to this, I'm not telling you you have to niche. Yeah. And anybody who says you have to niche without knowing anything about your business yeah. is basically pissing on your shoes. I agree. There's absolutely no point to it unless they know exactly who your audience is, what your purpose is, what your goals are, what your setup is, what your structure is of the business, what funding you've got. All of those things have to be taken into consideration okay. before you even consider whether I should niche or whether I shouldn't niche. Yeah. So for me, I took what I needed to out of those books and decided, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to follow the, the oversubscribe method a little bit, which is what we, we've done. Uh, and certainly down to the um, key person of influence in how we build personal brand and things like that. Um, and that worked wholeheartedly for us as somebody selling LinkedIn services on LinkedIn. Yeah. And that's another key thing. A lot of people, they'll, they'll talk about um, how you need to do what I've done because it works. I we, What we've done works for people who want to sell LinkedIn services on LinkedIn. Yes. That's why we've got a long list of people that have used our services who have now gone on to become um, popular, let's say, um, with their offering. And we've, we've trained lots of LinkedIn coaches and lots of LinkedIn uh, mentors and, and, and trainers and that as well. because. Yeah what we do is easy to do on the platform we're doing it on mm. but to get an accountant to do it or to get a somebody else to do it that's a different kettle of fish yeah yeah I find this it's definitely there are people who are more naturally inclined to be on social media and yeah, yeah. there are um, there are people who and it's not necessarily I mean I, I take accountants because that's who I prim- primarily work with 
But there are accountants who are social accountants and there are accountants that are not. There are IT people that are social and there are IT people that are not. So there is natural inclination to be on social media. I always wonder, like there are, like that you were saying with Daniel Priestley and other people who say to niche, there's always this um, a piece of advice that you should be on social and you should be doing this and you should, should, should. And that really riles me because no one should have to do anything. There is a way of marketing yeah. that fits everybody and it's not the same way. Yeah, yeah, oh, 100%. And, and, I, and I think that's, sometimes the hard sell for marketers because as, as, as somebody who doesn't understand marketing per se will have a set budget and they say right i've got 500 pound for marketing now that's like saying i've got 500 pound um to go and get a, a, a meal for the family for the next 12 weeks you might have the money to do it but what meal are you going to put together what food are you going to get together where are you going to get it yeah it, how are you it going to get it from what every single person have you got in the kitchen exactly yeah <laughs> okay, have you got a cooker you know so there's there's all of that that um you know i've i've got a budget can you do it that for me is always the the red herring so to speak or not the red herring the, the red flag red so flag. somebody somebody comes to me with a price and says this is what i've got can you do this mm. more often than not i say no that's interesting because I'm always pushing for to work with budget first. So I, un, I need to understand their goals primarily. Yeah. First and foremost, yeah. what do you want to achieve? How much can you spend on this? Not that we yeah. want to spend everything if it's a big budget, but what can you spend on it? Then yeah. for me, it's breaking it down. What's the most appropriate way to spend that money? You know, yeah. do we need to be producing a load of content? Does it need to be video? Where's the alignment there? So the red flag for me, and this does come from specialists, is when they say my solution is going to answer all your problems and they haven't considered if there are other solutions in place first. Yeah, uh, very, very much so. And, and, and anyone who believes that their solution is the only solution, they need to get in the bin, if I'm being brutally honest. Yeah. Um, but how you say, you know, you look at that budget first, the, the way we've sort of come to um, work with leads that come in, is, is to give them an understanding that if, if they've got a set price for what marketing is mm. and that's all they can spend, then spending that on, on a specialist probably isn't the right solution. What they're looking for more often than not when people come to with a budget for you know, £500 to do marketing for, for ABC mm. is they don't really know what the targets are. They don't really know what can be achieved with that mm. sort of spend. So, so leading with this is all the money I've got is often – not necessarily the best way of starting the conversation what what we tend to to do is when somebody if somebody does say that we say right let's just ignore that for a second because you're telling me that's your maximum budget if i was to give you a a, a solution that Mm -hmm. would mean that the 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 money that you would spend would not only give you a return on investment but it would double it by two three four times Mm -hmm. would that be something you'd be interested in and more often than not people go well yeah of course i would if it's going to get me more money and you can guarantee now the the problem is we could, marketers can't guarantee anything. So the, the next thing is to, to, to sort of desensitize the fact that they're, they're spending for X, Y, Z when it comes to marketing, because marketing is an open-ended thing. It's a subjective Ooh. terminology for a series of, of, of works to get an achievement. Yeah. So it's, you know, this idea of, of I've got a budget for me, I, th- I think it needs to be more than that. It's I've got a goal. I've not got, 
a lot to spend. This is what I've got to spend. Can you help me achieve it or not? Or which bit of it can you help me achieve with this? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think for for years I've been banging on strategy first. And that's that's basically what it sounds like it's what you're saying. So for me, I love specialists in their field. And I think they're hard done by sometimes because people join them, expect the world, you know, think it's going to solve all their problems. And they haven't looked at everything that's around it. For example, have you got a lead magnet? Or have you got a way of tracking uh, your your lead is the sales process in place you know there is a whole heap of things yep. that go around this first so when they come to to um, specialists in any field seo ads linkedin it doesn't matter what they put all their eggs in that basket and think it's going to solve it and that's such yep. a shame such yep. a shame i think if you got the strategy right and understood where your gaps are that's that's a much better way of doing it yeah it is well and, and the, the I'm yet to find two people or two companies that, when pressed, understand what a lead really is. Yeah. Because yeah. for a lot of a lot of people, depending on what their um, depending on what their, their their position is within the business, depending on how they deal with with leads in general, they'll all have a different idea. They'll and and we've got the difference between a warm lead and a cold lead. That's you know quite self explanatory, but. If you're going into, and, and this is from work that I've done as a consultant in the past, gone into a business and a lead was a phone number. Mm-hmm. That was what a lead was. So for that business, where I've gone into other businesses and a lead is somebody that has not only given a phone number, has confirmed an order and they just need it processing. Oh, wow. So so there's a whole range and array of what a lead means to a company. So all of the, the, the specialists and, and even the, the non-specialist marketeers mm-hmm. that are guaranteeing we can get you leads mm. i think that's bullshit yeah. i think i think they you can't say to any business whatsoever even for me to go to another linkedin marketer and say you know i can guarantee to get you work yeah i, I, I can do my stuff. utmost of doing it but i can't guarantee it yeah and i i love the honesty and the truthfulness in that, and that's something that i that i value as a person when i'm dealing with suppliers and i try and pass on to my clients as well because it's just not enough of it I think there's a whole load of bullshit that goes along with this marketing industry. There are snakes out there who who just prioritize their own sales and they don't prioritize their customers. And for me, a real indication of how rife that is, is our LinkedIn inbox. I mean, it's devastating, isn't it? Uh, I've got to the point now where whenever I get a hi or a hi dear or a hello, I don't even open them anymore yeah and that's that's sad that that shouldn't be that and and for me it's not necessarily down to the individual being you know bolshy egotistical or 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 trying to be a snake it's a lack of understanding yeah but not not a lack of understanding of how linkedin works or 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 that it's a lack of understanding how humans work yeah Yeah. like that's what i feel sorry for these people my time (laughs) yeah if I was my time, I'd be playing Monopoly with the children. I don't want to be answering how my day is to an absolute stranger. <laughs> it, it, there's, I mean, there's lots of different um, theories about how to approach people via direct messages and, and that. And you'll get the the, the, the the key salesman. Benjamin Dehaney is one of the guys who, who advocates, you know, picking up the phone and, and, and going through the whole process and direct messages. He's fantastic. Yeah. The, the the and and I've and I've I've spoke to him a couple of times in the in in the past and and you know I'm a, a big advocate of his training. Yeah. 
The problem is, is that training is only suitable for a select group of people. The same as LinkedIn inbound messages are only suitable for a select group of people. My approach doesn't fix his audience's approach and vice versa. Yeah, I agree. And there's room for us to all work in the same space. So when people say, you know, you you can't do cold calling, cold calling's dead. It's not. It's just dead to you. Oh, cold calling is fantastic for some people. <laughs> you know, you shouldn't send you shouldn't send sales messages to people on LinkedIn. Right. I, I'm an advocate of not doing that because by the time you're having a conversation about sales, it's no longer a sales message. It's a conversation. Mm. So it's the warming up process. I, I like testing. I, I send yeah. DMs. I send <laughs> DMs to lots of people um, who and it's not necessarily cold. They're in my network and so forth. Yeah. But I'm quite honest with them. I'm definitely sliding into your DMs here. You know, I've got yep. something interesting coming up. Would you like to have a look at it? It's as yep. simple as that. I don't say, buy my shit. And if you don't yep. buy my shit, you're not going to have any leads. Or, you know, like, yep. just be sensible. Yeah, I had, I had a fantastic email come through, uh, which is still, uh, you know, when you can star emails, so you can keep coming back to it. Well, I've starred this one because I think it's fantastic. Uh, it's a woman. The opening line is, you've just missed out on a perfect opportunity. Okay. And I was like, ooh, passive aggressive right at the start. And it just got worse and worse and worse. And it was basically, you're at fault for not doing this. You're an idiot if you don't click this button. And I was like, that. That's that's a perfect example of how copy can ruin a reputation of a business. Yeah, and isn't it such a shame? I wonder if she yeah. knows how much damage she's doing. No idea. There's um, the, the, the uh, it wasn't a discussion. Uh, in fact, it was a discussion. Be- uh, Benjamin Dehaney and myself um, on a on a thread a year and a half, two years ago, we were discussing what the best route to get leads was on LinkedIn, and and he was advocating get the phone number, ring them up, that sort of stuff. I was advocating warming them up. And we had a bit of a, a tete-a-tete in terms of saying which is best. Both of us knowing that that for each other, what we're advocating is good for us. Yeah. And there's, you know, for different audiences that. And the amount of people that would jump on his side or jump on my side, but as a point of view saying, oh, no, Chris is right, Ben, you're wrong. Ben, Ben's right, Chris, you're wrong. Mm. Without really stepping back and critically thinking, actually, they've both got really good points here. Yeah, and it was and it was a little bit worrying just how many people were happy to only include one type of outreach, and that was that that for them. Yeah. If, if you see me looking that that way, someone's just pulled on my drive, and I'm trying to ignore them. So. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, mom. Hi, mom. Brilliant. So no, I absolutely, I I just fundamentally agree with everything you said. Actually, I think people need yeah. to open their eyes, and I quite like the testing and playing side of marketing. Yeah. Not everything that you do is going to work, you know. So yeah. why not it's have not. some fun with it? Let's just do small batch tests of little little activities yeah. and see see what we like. Well, the, the, one of the, the the best things that we've got the ability to do on LinkedIn at the moment is to test that on almost like a minutia level, okay. particularly with um, uh, LinkedIn polls. Now, whenever I mention polls to people, they all go, oh, I'm sick of seeing so many polls. I don't care what biscuit's the best and they I don't care if, if you pronounce it this way or that way. There are people that will use it as pure clickbait. Oh, look, I've got 100,000 views of my content. Yeah, your content's asking what biscuit you prefer. Um, but there are those like ourselves and like a lot of our clients that we, we do is we use them to, to 
to almost push people into our funnel. So we'll we'll do think you know um, that one of the polls we did recently was was asking about whether the term guys was right or wrong in this day and age. And there was so many people said it was, so many people said it wasn't, and it showed a whole array of different interactions. Mm. But that that in itself, because it was such an emotive topic, my my uh, profile visits tripled. When that when that, when that poll went out, it had um, I think it's had nearly a million views at the moment. That one, so my profile views views went absolutely ballistic. We also picked up four leads from it, yeah, of people that had seen that, gone back onto my profile, looked at the stuff we've done, and got in contact with us. Yeah, I now did what, the same. What? It wasn't quite a million that, we, that I reached. <laughs> I did the same with um, uh, it was a telephone number. Should you have your mobile number and a business card? Now, actually, it was a question a client asked, and I said, yes, you do. And he said, well, I don't want to. And I said, well, you know, so there was a debate. So I put this on LinkedIn with the hashtag accountants, because that's who I'm serving. And I picked up a load of new contacts from it because of the exposure. But it was a targeted post talking about something that they might well be considering. Exactly. You can almost, and and I I had to apologize to my network uh, when, um, when, when polls first came out. Because as soon as they came out, I saw one of the polls and it was something about um, how many sugars do you have in a tea or something ridiculous like that. And I wrote a post. I wrote a post about how LinkedIn have got it wrong Uh, and how polls are the worst thing that you could have come up with. It's going to be cheap engagement. And then I I did what I tell everybody that I work with is, is step back and think about it critically. And I did do. And I thought, I wonder if. Yeah. And I put a poll together and I said, we're going to put a, a, a content course together about how to utilize polls and, and that. If you would be interested, click the yes button and I'll send you an invite. Brilliant. And we got some, we got something like 300 people click the yes button. Mm. And we converted that into, I think it was a couple of grand, something like that at the end of it once it had gone through. So, so one, one post asking people if they want to take part in something generated two, three grand's worth of sales. Just like that, yeah. And then I had to, I, I, it was it was the the realization of shit. Polls could be good. Yeah, every every piece of content that's ever created has the positive and negative side of it. Yeah, you know there are tons of people doing videos. They're not all great, you know. Yeah. But there are some fantastic videos out there. There are some posts that are utter crap, but there are some posts that are phenomenal and really valuable yeah. and funny and engaging. So there's going to be these polar opposites all the time. Um, and every time a platform brings out a new thing, I mean, let's not forget the stories. <laughs> of that was raring success, that was, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's going to have good and it's going to have bad. Um, and it just and the platform just decides by the users. And that's all it is, isn't it? They, yeah. Do the users yeah. want to see more of it? Yes. And the one thing that I learned very early on, and again, whenever I say this in, in when I'm doing any coaching or any training, it's a bit of a light bulb moment to some people, is we could write the best post in the world. We could create the best video. We could have the production team of, of, of a million people helping us produce this wonderful diamond-encrusted piece of content. We don't have the right to say whether it's any good. It's our audience. Doesn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh hell, it hurts! <laughs> I've, I've I've spent all night editing a, a, a five fifteen second video, yeah. 
mm. uh, to get the timing right on a little bit of comedy or something like that. And I've put so much love and enthusiasm into creating this little piece of content. And I go, you know what? Tomorrow morning, that's going to go out. It's going to fly. And, and I look back in an hour, it's got less than a thousand views. I'm like, that was pointless. <laughs> and it, and it's, it, it absolutely grinds you. And then you write an off-the-cuff post about Pierce Brosnan and, and the media fat-shaming his wife. Mm. And, and it's just 100,000 views in a couple of days. Yeah, and you think that was that was reactive marketing into something that people were talking about, and it's just blown up. Yeah, it's um, it is funny what what people react to and what they don't on LinkedIn, and I find that it's funny that people react to the same thing from different people in different ways. Oh yes, which yep. is quite quite interesting. But I'm a bit of a people watcher, so I find all of these interactions quite interesting. Um, yeah. I wanted to get to your TED talk in a minute because you've just okay. just done one, which I'm I would I love to hear about. But before we do, what would be your three pieces? Of, look at that! Did you see I did that? Three, three pieces. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be um, that's going to be on the poster for for this. Three pieces of advice um, yeah. for accountants. What do they need to do if they want to make LinkedIn and their personal profile like? better i'm glad you said better not explode or anything like that because yeah. again the advice <laughs> the advice i'm going to give um might work for some it might not work for others and it very much depends on the person um i, I get a lot of a lot of the time i get people saying oh i'm not i'm not extrovert enough to be myself on there or i'm too i'm too much of an introvert mm-hmm. i don't think it's got anything to do with being extrovert or introvert it's about being yourself if you if you're able to go into a room and talk to somebody and they can remember you after that that's enough that's that's all it is and online is no different to offline when it comes to networking it's just you don't have to smell the breath when you're talking to them so so it, it's got its advantages all quite clearly or the coffee <laughs> or, or looking at the bean stain down the down the tire or anything like that so <laughs> So it's it gives us the ability to almost put a bit of a filter on ourselves, and I'm giving you the nice link into my TED talk by using filters. But it gives us the ability to have that filter, and then and then work from it. Where accountants, I think, have got a bit of a hard press in in the world is they're seen as being boring. Yeah. Because let's face it, numbers aren't the sexiest thing as well. No matter what what Sesame Street tried to did and count and count Dracula tried to do um, with with oh, making oh, numbers sexy, oh. ha ha ha, it it simply didn't make them sexy. So you're off, you're against an uphill battle straight away with people's perception. So rather than leading with "Hi, I'm Dave and I'm an accountant," don't tell people you're an accountant. Your profile tells people that. Put your profile is what you do, but bring your personality to your profile. So what is it that you do? There's going to be something that is relatable to another human being, regardless of how boring, beige, whatever you are. You might might think you've got the most boring life in the world, but the fact that you go, I don't know, rock climbing is something that a whole group of other people will go, you know, that's really cool, so do we. Yeah. Ah, oh, now we've got something in common we can talk. Yeah. Or aren't so, you brave? Or a whole heap of other things. Exactly. Yeah. Up. yeah. So the first thing I would say is, is don't be like every other accountant. Be you is, mm. is the, the biggest piece of advice I can say. Write as if you was talking to somebody face to face. Not an audience, not, not a newsletter or anything like that. Write as if we was having a conversation. 
make the make make the writing conversational rather than matter of fact or or, or you know a piece of text. Um, and and thirdly, is, is bloody engage. Yeah. Engage more than you do anything else on LinkedIn. Yeah. Comment on other people's content. Engage with their stuff. Like their stuff. Share their stuff. Recommend people to each other. Yeah. One of the be best things. Of the community. Exactly. Don't yeah. just be the person that goes, oh, well, I wrote a post and no one's seen it. That's because you've not done any engagement with anyone. Yeah. LinkedIn's it's not build it and they will come anymore. Exactly. exactly. You have to go out and you have to. And this is this is why social networking and social um, media marketing is such a weird thing for other people because they don't realize that it's way more, especially on LinkedIn as a platform and Instagram, it's way more about the engagement side than it is about what you're posting. The posting kind of helps you tell your narrative and your story, but actually yeah. it's the engagement on the um, with your community that really reaps the benefit. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the, the best way of looking at it, it's like, a bit like a piggy bank. Yeah. If you want to go and spend some money on a rainy day, you smash open the piggy bank and there's no money in there. That's because you've not put money in there. <laughs> put it in there regularly and you'll get something out of it. It's the Keep same with my daughter this. Yep. <laughs> Mommy, it's my, not my, working. My 14-year-old exactly said, Oh, I want I'm just gonna get it. I'm just gonna order this. I'm gonna order this. Yeah, Christmas is coming up. Oh, I've got time to save. It's mm-hmm. six weeks away. Oh, Dad, can you lend me some money? Yeah. They don't yeah. know, do they? They don't know. No. Um, so tell me, I'm I'm impressed. TED Talk. I actually watched it like a couple of days ago. So well done. You held yourself very you. well. How did how did it come about? How did you feel? And where did the topic come from? So um, the, by the way. that's another three questions to answer. Yeah. There. Perfect. So <laughs> the, uh, the the opportunity arose uh, first and foremost. I decided that in 2021 I wanted to do uh, a TED Talk, um, and in 2020. Um, I saw the opportunity, I saw several different ones that were happening or were listed to happen um, in 2021. Uh, so I explored each and every one of them. Now, when I, whenever I put my name to do something, I'm, I, I do a lot of research because one, I want to make sure it's not some sort of two bit put together thing. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure there was, you know, it was going to be right for, for me and the, the subject. Now, every TEDx license that's granted, there's normally a topic considered as part of that license. Yeah. So, for example, the, the one that I did in Southampton, they applied with the idea of human to human being the topic. Now, that, that fit quite nicely with my narrative about what, what I talk about networking and, and how to be yourself on LinkedIn. It's mm-hmm. the human to human contact, B2B and B2C is in its essence, H to H, human to human. Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty much the opening line of the, the speech. Um, so so I, I did my research and found that that there was a, an event called Human to Human being put on in Southampton and that there was open auditions for it. Now, totally luckily, this isn't, this isn't you know, me finding my own lot. This is, this, this, well, it is, I, I, I suppose, through, you know, serendipity. Um, but I, um, I was connected to the organiser already. And, and it just so happened that I saw her post about this at the right time that I was actually exploring how to go about doing it and uh, reply to her saying, would you have somebody from outside of Southampton come and apply for, for the, uh, to, to become a speaker? Mm. Um, and she says, yep, not a problem. As long as you're happy to come down and do it, then that, that opportunity is there. So um, I wrote 
the speech, so to speak, the the, the lecture, um, and then was invited down to the Mayflower, Mayflower Theatre in Southampton to stand up on the stage in front of four thousand empty seats, which is probably more daunted than the actual faces in there, um, and and do my my speech. Um, there was, I think, if uh, top of my head, there was thirty six auditions and and thirty of us got it um but there was some over a hundred people that actually applied so there was, there was quite, quite a few um so yeah that was the 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 process um and then covid landed so we was meant to do it i think it was top of my head and annalise i'm apologies if i've got this date wrong i think it was um in uh may in 2021 start of 2021 it was meant to happen um or it might have even been the end of 2020. I can't remember off the top of my head. But it just get kept being postponed. And the organisers, rightly so, said, we're going to postpone this until we can have a live audience again. Right, I see. So lots of other TEDx events happened when it was just digital and people were sat in the living rooms doing it. The Annalise and Lee Peck, who, who organised it and hold the licence for it, they said, no, it, it needs to be in front of a live audience when we do this. So we, we waited until... Uh, what three weeks ago? I think it was twelfth of twelfth of October, was it? Something like that. Okay, um, it was pretty quickly, wasn't it? It was. It took three days until it was on. Yes, it was up on the the the, the TEDx website within three three or four days, and then um, about a week later, we got notification that some of us had been featured on the TED website as well. Um, yeah. And thankfully, that was that was me as well. Well, well, it's absolutely brilliant. Well done, you. Well done. Thank you. Have you got another? Well, it is a good thing, isn't it? I don't know if I could do it. I don't know if I could go and talk for 20 minutes on something without crumbling. I really don't. <laughs> it's it's not as it's not as and, and I'm saying this from from somebody who's got experience public speaking that it's not that hard. I, I, I do totally respect that some people, the the mere fact of standing up and doing a 30-second pitch to 12 people is is the worst thing they can ever imagine so i do understand that people would struggle with it mm. when when you're in that environment and you've got the support which the licensees put on for us yeah. um and and the, the the feedback and the rehearsals and all that that went in it's it's not you standing up giving a talk it's part of a show and you realize that you're part of it i mean ours was a whole day long there was mm. 13 talks in total i was on stage with d caffrey who was the the round the world yachts woman? Um, I think she's an MBE holder. She's the only woman to do it six times. She's the only woman to do it the other way around as well. And, and there's some fat bloke from the Midlands as well. You know, stood next to her. So it, it was it was the whole event was put on as as a production. Um, and I think that's what made the particularly the TEDx Southampton um, event so so good. And, and as yeah. you can see by the the edits, they've done really well. So talk to me, um, we don't have too much time left, but I want to understand the, yeah. how the topic came about because you very much talk about human to human. So has this been something that's like been in your mind for a long time? It's been bugging you? Like, where did it come from? It, uh, it, so uh, without giving too much away for, uh, of, of oh, the yeah, talk, so <laughs> people have got, have, got, have got to go and, and, and watch it and, and, and listen to it. There's a very poignant message in, in the talk, and the whole point was, the, the the filters that we apply to ourselves, the bullshit that we surround ourselves and tell people we're fine, I'm okay, oh I'm doing really well, works fine at the moment, yeah, I'm, you know, all that sort of crap we we tell people, we start to believe, mm. and then when those cracks start to show, they're far deeper than they ever could be, 
So when, you know, and, and it'll be, you know, if somebody suddenly loses a job, but for the past three months, they've been telling the wife that the job, everything's going really well at work. You know, that that having to explain now to the wife is so much harder than it would have been if it had been honest three months ago saying, you know, I'm really struggling. Yeah. And and it's about those. So my, my whole talk is essentially about those filters that we applied. And I did this myself. And and I'm not going to give the, the, the game away as to where I found found myself. Um, but it's certainly that those that bullshit I was telling me and telling everybody else was the biggest filter. And that's that's what nearly ended my life. Um, so it, it's for me, it's really important to sort of not necessarily call people out, but to challenge people to say, look, yeah, you might be fine, but are you really? Now, that picture you just shared of that perfect family holiday, um, how much of it was spent on your phone to work? Yeah. How much of it kept you, did you keep looking in your bank account going, shit, I can't really afford this, can't really afford this? But you're telling everyone everything's fine. Totally rosy. <laughs> it is. It is. And, and I think, I think there's, we all do there's it, no... don't we? But it's checking it oh, yeah. and, and recognising it. Yeah. And not only recognise it, but also understanding that the impact of that little white lie today, what that could have in, in six months' time. That time when when you ignore that first bill that's got a red red mark at the top of it. Yeah. I'm just going to ignore that because it might go away. It's not <laughs> going to go away. <laughs> oh, those little buggers. So yeah. thank you very much for coming on and talking us through LinkedIn and what you're up to and the advice you've given and the TED, TED talk. Um, there is one final question for you. Okay. What's the sexiest thing about accountants? When they give you the news that HMRC has just given you a rebate, <laughs> that is damn sexy. Sexy. Well, that does it for me. Not that it happens oh, yeah. anymore. <laughs> no, it doesn't. But, you know, every now and again, it's, it's like being married. It only happens once in a while. <laughs> so. <laughs> Don't say that. I'm getting married next year. <laughs> You'll put me off. Oh, oh, oh no. It's, yeah, it's fine. Oh, it's, it's, fine. Fine. it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Well, thank you ever so much for being on. And if, if people want to find out where you are, how to get it, to see your TED Talk, where do they go? Um, the TED Talk, um, if you go onto the main TED website and search Chris Williams, I'm on that first page. You just need to scroll down a little bit. Um, if you go onto YouTube and type in uh, Chris Williams TEDx, you'll find me on there. And if you're on LinkedIn, just um, well, connect with you and you connect to me. You can find me on there. <laughs> you'll find You'll find him. He's on you'll find him. Yeah, there'll, there'll be something somewhere. Don't believe everything you read. That's what I'll say. You can look at you. Even if it's from me, especially if it's from me. Yeah. <laughs> right, well, once again, thank you ever so much for coming on. Well, thank you very much for listening to Accountants of Sexy Change My Mind. Um, I enjoy every single one of my guests and it's always a pleasure to have and a privilege to have such an insight into their business. So if you've got to the end, I appreciate it. If you would like to follow, subscribe, share with your mates, or if you fancy being a guest, why don't you drop us a message and we can uh, we can have a chat about having you on. So it's once again, it's been a pleasure. Thanks ever so much for joining in and I will see you next time.
Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. We've got a ton more guests already lined up and I can't wait to share that with you. Please also remember to check out our sponsor, Charterpath. They're bridging the gap between financial skills and the nonprofit sector. And if you're looking at growing your practice and wondering what is the next step for you or how to do that, maybe you want to check out Accounting Pirates as well. We've got a treasure chest of support there that might be able to help you get to your next level.